You're listening to Meanwhile, Episode 8. Today we'll be talking about the highs and lows of setting New Year's resolutions, and we'll share a few tools to help you set more effective long-term goals going forward. Let's get started. Michael Melcher, good to be with you again, my friend. Good to be with you, Michael Terrell. We're about to jump into that fun transition time, New Year's Eve, just a day away. Yes, and I would like to report that I'm looking out my window at the bucolic western New England countryside where we've had a gorgeous postcard-perfect snowfall and all seems right in the world, blanketed under this delightful snow. Well, what a great place to be as you launch into the new year, man. I'm uh, I'm here in a... It's still trying to brighten up here on the West Coast, San Francisco, so I can't wait to absorb a little bit of that sunniness when you send me a photo later. I will also try to just share my sunny disposition, and that will probably work too. <laughs> Which is almost always the case, man. I, I, I have no doubt that's coming. Yeah. So... It's almost New Year's, and with New Year's, often comes New Year's resolutions. And being in in the coaching trade, we deal a lot with goal setting. But being sophisticated, sensitive people, we also recognize that sometimes goal setting is a drag and weird. And I feel like New Year's resolutions brings out both of these aspects. Yeah. You know, I was chatting with my dad yesterday. I was up in Seattle visiting him. I was there for the holiday. And uh, he asked me as we got ready to leave for the airport, uh, what my goals or intentions were for the new year. And my immediate reaction was kind of, yeah, what? Like new year's goals. Damn it. It's that time again. I <laughs> totally resisted it. It felt like sort of, uh, re-encountering like, you know, days old food or something. I was, I was not pumped to do it. And what was the days old foodness about it for you? Ah, uh, stale, uh, it's a little, little moldy, unappetizing. I think, like you said, part of our work being around goals a lot and, and trying to always have things I'm, I'm working towards goal wise. I think my, my judgmental voice fired up and I was just like, ah, oh, this is sort of trite and contrived and, you know, New Year's resolutions always fall off at some point anyways, which is just part of the truth. It's, it's not entirely true for me, but I, it's, for some reason, that's where my, my head went. I think on, on some level it was like, why do I need this arbitrary day to, to focus on this? I think that was the curmudgeon, stale food voice in me. What about you? Well, I like setting goals, but of course I don't want to set goals that other people are telling me to set. And I want it to come from an authentic place. And I feel that a lot of goals, even that I have, are kind of from central casting. It's like, lose weight, um, exercise more, be financially responsible, feel grateful every single day, be more creative, drink less wine, etc. And they're good, but or good for me, maybe. But are they really what I want to do? And they're kind of boring sounding. And I've done all of them enough times that there there's not that like, you know, newness excitement that mm-hmm. could could come with it. And at the same time, my mind naturally turns toward goal setting. So right now, I've for the last couple of days, I've been going through my books and looking at my spreadsheets and balancing my business. And both of us are kind of, you know, 
in these self-employed businesses. So I can actually assess how much did I make this year and where did it come from and how good of a use of time was that and what types of positive experiences did I have. And since it's all snowy and we're, I'm essentially housebound now, it's like a really good time to reflect on those things. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it's a natural thing that we want to take this point in time to assess and decide what kinds of decisions we want to be making because the alternative is just puttering along living incrementally day by day and that's even more gross to me than setting goals that I'm not really behind so I feel there is something true there and um you know I feel that back in farming times uh when we live closer to the land, we were much more aware of seasonality and that there might be a time to kind of hunker down and, and kind of reflect and think about what's coming next. Totally. I, I think the idea of the stock taking moment is so important. And uh, once I got over <laughs> my stale, stale bread reaction to, to his question and actually tried to chew on it <laughs> to continue our silly food metaphor here and actually just think about it, 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 became more and more interesting to me, more and more exciting. And we ended up having this great 30-minute conversation as I headed to the airport just about it and sort of what what do I want out of the next year of my life? What do I want out of uh, the next chapter? And it, and it, it did shift from this sort of uh, cliched kind of like question and experience, and I was able to tap into what's valuable about taking stock and perspective um, about the next year. And so... You know, for me, and this is sort of the first, it was sort of the first step even in the conversation I had with him. And I and I think in conversations with other folks that can sometimes be hard about, you know, New Year's resolutions and New Year's goals, et cetera, is really connecting to sort of like the underlying true why behind the goal or the reason behind the goal. And it wasn't until my conversation with my dad that I was able to shift into a few of those. For me, they're often like reconnecting with my values. At that at that point, the goals on the surface become a little easier to identify and, and set for myself. You know, for, so for an example, we got to the point in my conversation with him where I realized I really I really have this value about continuing to uh, contribute and to connect with people. But in my life and career right now, I'm five years into my practice and I'm starting to sort of bump up against what does sustainability look like for me? You know, keep coming at this, hopefully knock on wood, if things go according to plan, this will be a long, a long run in this, in this career path. How do I do this sustainably where I'm not only, you know, nurturing and contributing to my clients and the people I run into along this journey, but also myself so where I can keep doing this year after year after year. And um, as that word came out of my mouth in, in conversation with my dad last night, that just gave me this real sense of, of calm and focus and excitement, a little bit of excitement too, to actually set a couple of concrete goals around that. Um, so what, what were the concrete year. goals that you set? The first one, and I haven't finalized these yet, but one that I think will definitely be there is to track what I say no to, which is a way of saying, you know, notice where I'm putting boundaries in place. And what would be some, ex- just out of curiosity, some examples of things you might say no to? 
something I might say no to, or I would probably say no to is, uh, if I had the opportunity to work with a one-on-one client who, um, isn't a good fit for my business, even though I might be sort of attracted to that person emotionally or interpersonally, um, which would mean that they're, they're not working in startups, which is increasingly part of my focus or something I might say no to is to do a, come in and do an offsite, like a one or two day thing with a client, but then not have any sort of ongoing touch points with them. Cause I've just found that to be the sort of input work to output reward uh, for myself and even for their the client's best interest to not often be there. And then I think in in my personal life, it's just noticing, because I think this ties to sustainability in a couple of ways. One is not saying yes, unless I'm truly excited to go do something, to join somebody for drinks or go out for coffee or take a hike. But instead I can say, you know what? I don't have to say no I have something else going on. I can just say, no, uh, not really interested in that. And, you know, find a way to language it that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. But side note, uh, what I know about you is that you're type two on the Enneagram, this uh, personality diagnostic tool that we talk about sometimes. And basically each of the nine types has a kind of strategy for dealing with life. And type two, their strategy is to help other people. And it's kind of based on this idea that I might not be lovable by myself, but if I do things for other people, then they'll like me. So it's actually a big growth stretch not to do things for other people or not to do things that are motivated by desiring to make other people feel positive or positively about you. So it's a real, it's actually a real stretch for you to do that. Yeah. Um, Connecting the dots. I think that's a good example of a good New Year's set resolution because it actually relates to who you really are and how you really want to grow. Um, and it is something that is both simple and hard. Like it's simple in the sense that you can always articulate what it is. It's also hard because it might rub up against some long, long ingrained habits that Mm -hmm. you have that create Mm -hmm. some discomfort. But I think it's a, it's a great goal. I mean, it's the kind of thing you could laminate a little business card and put it in your wallet and always be reminded of it. Yeah. Well, what's helpful for me is I understand I had to kind of go to this place of like, what do I really want out of the next year? What are my values really in this next year? And then the goal came out of that. I didn't, I didn't just jump to, uh, I'm going to say no more, or I want to lose some weight. Right. I didn't, you know, see a billboard somewhere and choose it. I, I it has kind of deeper resonance, which yeah. uh, makes me feel good about it and, and makes me feel more confident that I'm going to be successful. So, so I came up with two goals for myself. Um, Let's hear them. Although in kind of an opposite way, because I can't say that I checked in with my values first. There's only they... one way to do this thing, Michael, Yeah, as well. we know. <laughs> <laughs> I, they appeared, and then I realized they made sense. So cool. the other day, I uh, was in D.C. doing some stuff, and I managed to push myself to go to a yoga class at some studio in um, Logan Circle. Cool. And I was so proud of myself that I actually got in there. And it was kind of fun and different. And, you know, you figure out the little check-in thing. And I really enjoyed it. I thought to myself, I get a lot of pleasure out of going to new places and new studios. And what if I made a goal of visiting 40 different yoga studios in the coming year or coming year plus? I first said 50 and I thought that'd be too much. So the 40, that, that was a stretch. And the weird thing is that I, I very much enjoy exploring and going to new places and not quite knowing what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. But I also hesitate to do that. So by making it a goal, 
it gave me a push. And the second thing is that my default when I think of exercise is have to be in shape, have to be skinny, have to lose weight. But actually, mm. the bigger pleasure I get is just feeling my body in motion and being mm. healthy and being in a new environment. And, you know, some yoga studios can be pretty groovy and beautiful and they're all different and yeah. everyone has their own spiritual thing. So it's kind of like an exploration. And I realized that for me, looking backwards, that one of my one of my true values is exploration and discovery and curiosity. Mm. Like I, I love the world. I love discovering new things. I love not doing the same old, same old. And so this is a way of capturing that and bringing more variety and creativity into my life. So I felt pretty pleased that I came up with that. And then the other uh, goal, thank you. Thank you, Michael T. The other goal I had was, it was kind of a mantra, like a mind shift uh, that I want to have. Hmm. So as we discussed, I had these two adorable model perfect um, twin sons who are now 21 and a half months old and insane and crazy and require a lot of attention and so forth and very active. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty competent, chill dad, partly because I'm older and partly because I'm a coach and, you know, just a nice guy. But I have I have moments when I'm anxious or nervous or afraid or mm-hmm. doubting myself or concerned what somebody might think or what the nanny thinks or what my partner thinks or whatever. And I just had this phrase in my head, be strong, daddy. <laughs> be strong, daddy. Nice. Which is weird, you know, that's in a kind of kid's voice, but it was like a good reminder of how I want to be in different situations. So it could be putting one of my kids in solitary because he tried to bite his brother in order to get their little (laughs) toy um, fire truck, which happens every day. Right. And then he freaks out and it's like, well, be strong, daddy. He's got to learn not to do that. Or, you know, I get my car and because it's cold, the tire pressure is down. And I think, oh my God, what if I can't fix the tire pressure correctly at the gas station where you put in the quarters into the machine? Because that's hard (laughs) for me. Like, be strong, daddy. Just do it. And Lo and hold, I, I did it. It's weird. It it it's a very small thing, but it it's almost like my personal brand statement. Like that's how I want to be, and so act, you know, as if or fake it till I make it. Yeah. And that turned out to be like a really effective goal for me. It's like a it's it's a kind of practice, and that kind of brings me to one of my points, which is that we often think about goals as trying to achieve particular things. But I think in a way, it is easier and healthier to think about what types of practices do we want to put out there and try to follow. So one of my practices is be strong, and the other one is this kind of explorational thing. And one of your practices is saying no and actually counting the number of times you say no so that you can reflect on it. Yeah, no, I, I, I often look at those as even just setting intentions, you know, we for folks who have studied anything about goals before, whether in their jobs or elsewhere, you know, you can get into smart goals and we can make these things hyper specific sometimes and that can be very effective. But I particularly as I'm looking at a sort of a year long runway, really enjoy setting goals that sort of are directional or they're they really articulate an intention I have for the year as much as anything specific. Because the cool thing that I find and I've found before is when I set a goal like let's say your goal, like, you know, wanting to visit 40 yoga studios in the next year. But then you really tie that to your value around exploration, or even as I heard you talk about it, getting deeper on this value around um, fitness. It's not just like, I need to weigh X 
on the scale, but it's my body in motion, that feeling of aliveness and noticing that um, in myself as I just get out and do things. As I set sort of these intentional goals like that, I find that maybe I didn't make it to a new yoga studio this week, um, but I did go explore a new part of my neighborhood or part of the city I live in because I'm, I'm thinking about this intention to explore more or be strong, daddy, just finding myself feeling more resilient, more capable in all sorts of situations, even when it doesn't involve uh, one of the boys gnawing on the other boy's arm, right? Yeah. Well, I and I would add a um, kind of amendment to the word intention. I would, for me, it's an experimental intention or intentionally experimental hmm. because... Um, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that you're, you said intention, but part of the intention is that you're going to try out different behaviors and you're going to like play with them and see where they go and assess what you're learning from the experience and mm-hmm. how that reflects back on you. And this actually comes from a theory that's out there called immunity to change, which is kind of one of the hot coaching topics right now. So basically, um, there's this book called Immunity to Change by Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy, who teach at Harvard. And their their view is that most changes fail, not just on the individual level, but on the organizational level as well. And they specifically call out New Year's, the New Year's resolution approach doesn't work, which we disagree with in this podcast episode. But the reason they say that change efforts fail is that deep down we have what they call competing commitments that we're not wholly conscious of that are rising up and getting in the way that we have this sort of ecosystem or immune system going on this homeostasis and that if you change one element of it you can easily get a reaction from another element that neutralizes it mm-hmm. and so an example might be you know i want to be fit. And so I'm going to moderate drinking and eating and, you know, be sensible and blah, 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 and exercise. And I'll do that for a while. And then some friends coming out of town and we have this big blowout dinner. And then I think, okay, well, there went my, my thing. And rather than saying like, okay, we'll get back on the wagon. They would want you to dig in and think about, well, what is that underlying commitment that you have that is expressing itself as going out and doing this thing. Mm-hmm. So it might be that I'm really committed to feeling fully alive or I'm committed to having good times with friends or I'm committed to never having like a drag, boring kind of mundane life that is just about like uh, checking off my goals. So these commitments totally. they talk about are very self-protective. They're not noble or what have you. And it, they have a very complex analytical method that is worthy of an entire separate hour-long explanation, so we won't do it here. But I will say what it comes down to is, in some ways, looking at some of your underlying assumptions and finding ways to look at them and experiment with alternate ways of thinking about things. So that's where I get this idea of this experiment. So as I go about my 40 yoga thing, yeah, I am reminding myself that I set this intention. I'd really like to achieve it. And I'm also becoming aware of what am I discovering about how easy it is or what I get out of it? Or as you said, maybe I just like exploring these different neighborhoods and meeting different people and that turns out to be the the goal. Or if I have my be strong daddy thing, maybe I'm also going to experiment with that in different situations and find out that in some situations I can do that easily and mm-hmm. in others it's going to take a lot more work for me to overcome whatever lingering you know, hang-ups or fears I have. Totally. Well, I love you bringing in that, that research and I... I experienced it, have experienced that personally. I've seen it with other folks constantly is that there's a, you know, when we set these new goals or these experimental intentions 
for a new year. They're usually, hopefully, if we've asked ourselves that question, like, why do I want this? And we've connected to what's important to us about them or the values is that they represent some interest we have, but that doesn't mean (laughs) that we don't have competing interests. And in fact, oftentimes the fact that we haven't done these things yet means that there are other interests within us that have kept us from doing so up until this point. And so I, I, I love the theory. And I, you know, I often think about this when I set New Year's resolutions or, or I'm setting goals for myself at any t- other time of the year, which is, I, t- I call it anticipating my own psychology or really thinking through, like, there's a part of me that really wants this. What's going to get in my way? What's going to be hard about this? How yeah. can I, or oftentimes somebody else, help me stay accountable to this or I almost just assume I'm going to fall off the wagon at certain points. I'm going to have that blowout social night or whatever it is, depending on what that goal is. And how do I forgive myself or be self-compassionate in that moment and figure out, okay, what do I learn and how do I keep going with this? Intention? Yeah, I love, I love that the idea of self-compassion. Um, yeah. Because our first response is to beat ourselves up. So another phrase I often use with this immunity change methodology is having one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And so we could think about this with regards to our goals, like what's mm. my goal? Okay, I'm going to visit 40 yoga studios, or I'm going to be strong, daddy, or you're going to say no. Okay, what are going to be the what's going to be the foot on the brake? What are all the things that are going to slow me down or get in the way? I'll get too mm-hmm. busy, or I won't plan, or yeah. I'll I don't know I'll get scared because my kid gets a lung infection, or I'll look at my tax my estimated tax payments, or some something like that, or mm-hmm. I'll listen to some random comment from somebody who shouldn't matter but you know right. bugs me. And then I think it's great to it's very liberating to do this up front and anticipate all this stuff as yeah. opposed to letting it surprise us. Because frankly, we're probably not going to be surprised. Like whatever goal we have, we can pretty much predict what are going to be some of those brake pedal items, and right. then we can just be aware of it. And when they come up, we're like, oh hi there, let's let's figure out what we want to do for this. Okay, so let's go to our homework for the listener section. Let's do it. Um, So I have two things, and then I think you're going to add one as well, Michael. So the first one is think about not so much a goal, but a a mindset shift. So mine was, be strong, Daddy. What might be a very simple phrase that would represent some type of mindset shift that would be valuable for you? And the second thing is think of a goal, whatever it is, whether it's uh, travel more or be nicer or you know, don't text while driving or play in the snow and write it down and then do a two-column kind of assessment of the gas pedal and the brake pedal. And the gas pedal is what's in it for you, uh, what's going to support you, what makes this exciting, how are you going to do it? And the brake pedal is what's going to get in the way and what obstacles are you going to face and how might you slow yourself down? And that's it. Just list those things and see what comes out when you do. Over to you. I love it. I love it. So a a few other things to hang on that goal-setting tree, if you will. The first would be to take those goals you've listed. They could be the ones that you you just listed in response to Michael Melcher's suggestions there. And try to think about what the underlying why is behind that goal for you. Uh, really see if you can't connect to you. Okay, what's the core value I hold uh, that's motivating this goal? And I encourage you to write that down alongside it, actually articulate it to yourself. Because my hope is that'll both make you more committed to that given goal. And it may also open up uh, other things you can do as time goes on, as the year goes on, that's maybe not that specific goal, but is in service of that value and just sort of notice the impact that has uh, on your life. The second thing would be, 
uh, and similar, we're talking about the same list of goals here would be to the, the challenge or the push here is to connect with one person um, about what you've written down and to share out loud what you're trying to accomplish with those goals, what values they tie to, and uh, to ask them to support you in some way. And you guys can negotiate what that looks like. It could be a monthly call. It could be a, we're going to meet up every quarter for coffee. It could be a standing calendar invite, whatever it is, to just figure out a way to have them you know, lovingly, supportively hold you accountable to what it is you want to accomplish and just see what's possible there. Well, that sounds great. So we look forward to hearing from all of you about what kind of goals you come up with and what you learn from this process and what results you get. Absolutely, Michael. I hope you can uh, help hold me accountable to some of the things I come up with. I'm going to hold you accountable like you've never been held accountable before. Well, because you're a strong, you're being a strong daddy this year. Yeah, I'm a strong daddy. A little room on their shoulders (laughs) to hold me up too. I (laughs) Yes, all six foot four of you or however tall you are. (laughs) All right. right. (laughs) So that's it for this week and we'll see everybody soon. See you next time. Mm -hmm.